Well, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Uh, Grab them. Um, If you do not have a Bible today, there's some Bibles in the back. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to have one of these, one of our Bibles uh, today uh, for free. It's it's yours. It's our our gift to you. Uh, And and we are in 1 John. But before we get to 1 John today, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. And so, uh, if you are unfamiliar with where Second Kings is, just it's in the Old Testament, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. So that's where we're going to be today. Second Kings chapter six. Just to start, right? I want to. I just. I want to. As you're finding that, I just I want to kind of set the context for today. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about um, the end times. And really, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, I've never heard anybody talk about the end times like that, and just, uh, just different than, than what most people hear from, from pastors, because I think it, was, it wasn't fear-based, it, um, it wasn't my opinion, um, it was really just, it was completely rooted in what, what John says in, in 1 John and, and what Jesus says uh, in the Gospels. And we're just, you know, we talk about how there's just so many false teachers out there that are just, just talking about things that are just seem like they're... they're when you read them on the surface, they seem obscure, right? And so they, they use that obscurity to, to kind of manipulate and, and put fear in. And, and, and what we're going to look at today uh, in 1 John, it has that potential. It has the potential to be obscure and kind of bring confusion and, and can cause some people to be like, I don't really know, and kind of check out or, or whatever. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the spiritual world today. And so I, I want to set this up by, by looking at 2 Kings chapter 6. And so this is a story about Elisha. Now, Elisha was a, a prophet of God, which means that he spoke on God's behalf. So we're going to pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 10 to begin with. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, now that's Elisha sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And so when the king of Aram, which is really modern day Syria, right, that would make plans to attack Israel, right? They're they're enemies. They're fighting against each other. God would actually reveal those plans to Elisha. And Elisha then in turn would take those plans and go to the king of Israel. Great. That's awesome for the king of Israel. Not so much for the king of Aram, right? Verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, he's looking at all the people around him that he supposedly trusts. He's like, okay, who's the traitor? Who's, who's throwing us under the bus here and letting the king of Israel know what is happening with our armies? Here's their response, verse 12 to 15. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. So 
Can, can you see that? Can you, can you picture the scene? And so the servant of Elisha gets up early in the morning. He, he walks outside. He looks around and he sees this, this army surrounding them and, and he panics. What, what, what are we going to do? Verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Right? And so, so Elisha, he just he makes it really clear. He makes it really simple. Hey, we, we got more people on our side. We're, we got more on our side than they got on theirs. And, and wait, what? What do, you, what do you mean that we, there's more with us than with them? I mean, one, two. Right? I mean, that's what the servant is doing. He's doing the math, right? Yeah, there's a, come look outside. Maybe you didn't see the ball, Right? Right? And, and this is, there, there's an army with, you know, with horses and, and chariots. Math just doesn't work. Well, listen to what happens next, verse 17. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So Elisha, he, he prays that, his, that God would open his servant's eyes and to see the spiritual army of, of horses and chariots of fire that's all around them. And in that moment, the servant sees. And he understands what Elijah was talking about, Elisha was talking about. So he, he, he gets a glimpse of the unseen world, and it, and it totally changes his perspective. He realizes that the army of Aramis, indeed, they are outnumbered physically and spiritually. Then it goes on, verses 18 and 19. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told him, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. So if you continue to read through 2 Kings chapter 6, you, you'll realize that Elisha leads this, this army from Aramea to, to straight to the king of Israel where they are captured. So, so here's the point and, and here's why I'm starting with this passage today. There's a, there's a spiritual realm, an invisible world all around us. Look up on that roof. Look up right there on that roof right there. Do you see them? Do you see them? I don't see them, but I believe they're there. Look, look up on the rafters. Do you see them up there? I don't see them, but I believe that they're there. There's something that is going on behind the scenes that you and I in this world can normally cannot see. Elisha's servant couldn't see. All he could see was the army of, 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 with horses and with chariots and think, oh no, we're doomed. Right? And, and so this, and Elisha's like, show him, God. Show him what's really going on in the spiritual realm. And, it's, and, and what he realized is that. that the visible world, the invisible world is just as real as the visible world, and yet so much more powerful. The Bible teaches that there, there are vast numbers of angels, good and bad, right? There, there are glorious beings right now that if we could see them sitting up there, it would take our breath away. But there are also 
prey, evil beings that would horrify us if we could see them. And to most of us, this, this is crazy talk. Right? Because we, we, we live in this rationalistic, naturalistic, Western mindset that, that explains everything by what we can see. To, to say that you believe in the existence of, of angels and, and demons is like saying that you, you believe in the existence of like, dragons and elves. It just doesn't make sense to us. And, and, and so if, like, in, our, in our world today, if you can't see it and touch it and taste it and smell it and, and hear it, then... You know what? It, it just it doesn't exist. I mean, I mean, people who, who don't believe in this, they'll push back on, on believers who, who believe in the supernatural, right? Hey, how can you believe like, in a supernatural God that, that actually controls thunder and lightning and storms when, when a meteorologist can use a satellite picture of some computers to tell us when it's going to rain in a week? How, how can you say there's, there's you know, spiritual you know, tempter you know, that is engaging us in our wills in this battle for good and evil when, come on, hey, it's really, it's, it's in your DNA. It's in your family of origin. That, that's what's actually leading you down certain paths. And see, our, our, our worldview, it actually has, it has deadened us to the reality of a spiritual world. And so many, we, we see, you know, just trying to explain anything spiritual is just kind of religious fantasy. And so, I mean, but we see this, we see this all throughout the Bible. We, we see this spiritual realm. Like, starting, like, look at Genesis chapter 3. Like, the, the spiritual temptation that, that led to physically eating a piece of fruit. Or at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the desert so he can be tempted by the devil. The book of Revelation, it gives a a clear spiritual picture of a physical coming reality. It's all over the Bible. So if you don't believe in an invisible spiritual world, then I'm telling you, you're rejecting the Bible. And, And even more specifically, you're not just rejecting the Bible, you're rejecting Jesus. Because Jesus believed in angels and demons. His birth was announced by an angel. An angel was present at his birth. He was tempted by the devil. He was served by the angels after that temptation. Angels were present at his tomb after he rose from the dead. And they were there when he ascended back up into heaven. I mean, I mean if, if you really think about it, think about what's, what's happening right now. I've asked you to open up your Bible, open up this book. And to me, this, this book is the voice of God speaking to us right now. The, the one true supernatural God is saying to you and to me that there is a spiritual world all around us. And so I, I say all of that to, to set up what we're going to look at in 1 John chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, turn now back to where we, we've been for this whole summer in, in 1 John chapter 4. Because he's going to be writing about a, a spiritual world that, that if you don't believe, then, then, then what he writes here is not going to make any sense to you whatsoever. But if you do believe it, then, then you'll be open to, to God's word. It'll become clear to you. 
So we're, today we're going to look at these, the first six verses of 1 John chapter 4. So let, let me read them, um, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how the, we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Okay, so first of all, just kind of from a big picture perspective, if you're writing in your Bibles, let's, let's do some, some underlining and some things. So look at verse 2 and underline the phrase, Spirit of God. And then look at verse 3 and underline the Spirit of the Antichrist. Then, then jump down to verse 6, underline the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of falsehood. And so from a big picture perspective, God is telling us through John that there are spirits that come from him, and they come from the devil. Right? That's, that's the big picture view of what we're talking about today. And then look at verse 1. You're going to underline many false prophets. Right? Now, there's not just a few random false prophets out there, but there are many, many back then and today. Some of them are, are not Christians, but some of them, I would argue, are professing Christian teachers. That's the way it was in his church, in John's church, I think it's still true in the church, you know, the universal church in the 21st century. And, and, and here, here's why this is important. The devil is not going to come in red tights and a pitchfork and be like, hey, just want to let you know that I'm the tempter and I'm here to deceive you today, right? It's not how it's going to happen. How's it happen? Well, biblically, Right? It actually, he, he comes in attractive ways. Right? Think about Genesis. Genesis 3.6. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was what? Good for food and pleasing for the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. It doesn't say, hey, this is going to kill you. Hey, this is going to bring sin into the world, and, and it's going to ruin everybody's life for here to eternity. Right? No. It was desirable, and it was good. Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like they're a brother. They look like they're a sister in Christ. But no, no, no. Inwardly, they are what? Ferocious Wolves, right? They put it all on the outside to deceive us. Paul warns us in Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is, is not with us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our battle is with the evil one. And he's going to try to convince us that our battles are with each other. 
That's why there's going to be fighting between husbands and wives and between parents and kids and kids and friends. And like, that's, that's the work of the devil. And he's trying to deceive us. And, and, and Paul's like, look, your battle's not with your husband or your wife or, or with your parents or with your kids or with your friends. Your battle is with the evil one. And so to me, the, the encouraging thing about what John is writing in this first part of 1 John chapter 4 is it that we don't have to be deceived and we don't have to be defeated spiritually. In fact, when those moments come for us, he instructs us to do two things. The first thing is to test everything you hear. Let's start breaking this down. Verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so if you're writing your Bibles, underline, do not believe, and circle the word test. Right, this, is, this is something that we as followers of Jesus have to be alert to, and, and, and we have to do. Right? That, that there, are, there are spirits from God, and there are spirits from the devil, and we need to know which one is which. And so he says, what are we going to do? We, we need to test Right? And so, so that word test in other places in the New Testament, really, it, it's used to describe the purity of a metal. Right? And so when we test something, when we examine it, we want to know where it comes from, right? where, what its origin is, what its quality is. And so when we test, right, we ask, okay, wh wh where is this thing that I'm reading or hearing, where is it coming from? Is it coming from God, God's Word? Or somewhere else. I, and listen, that includes me. When you come in here on Sunday morning, you read anything that I send you out in an email or uh, whatever, right, you, you need to test that too. You need to examine everything that I say to you. Is it from God? Is it from God's Word? Or not? Every time that you listen to another pastor online, you need to test it. Is it from God's word or not? Every time that you, you read something that's on the internet or social media or the news media, you need to ask yourself, is that from God, his word, or not? Right? It's, it's just we're testing everything, everything that we hear. And, and so it's just it's so critical for us to know this. Right? We, we, we don't want to be deceived. Right? And with everything that's going on in our denomination, everything that's going on in our country and in our world today, we have to test. Because as, as Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And so we're invited by John, by God through John, to test everything through a biblical worldview. So let me, let me give you some, some personal examples of things that, that I hear people saying. You know, I have people say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think God loves me. People say that to me on a regular basis. Or they'll say, you know, I, I, I really messed up this time, Pastor. I don't think God's going to forgive me this time. Like, where does that come from? I mean, really. Where does it come from? It's not from God. 
Man, there's nothing in the Bible that says that, that God doesn't love you. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. There's no place in the Bible that says, well, you know, now you've reached the limit for your sins, and so God's not going to forgive you anymore. It's not in there. And so where did it come from? If it's not in God's word, then it's a lie from Satan. Right? And, you know, I've had people say, well, Pastor, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to break this addiction to, you know, alcohol or pornography or drugs or gambling or, or whatever, you know. And I'm like, where is that coming from? Where? Where, where in the Bible does it say, you know what? At some point you're going to get to a place where you can no longer defeat the, the addictions in your life. I, it's not my Bible. So when he says test the spirits, right, this is what we're talking about. Like testing even what the things that are in our own minds about what we say about ourselves, about our past, about our present. Is this, is this from God? Or is this from Satan? And, and, and as we're going to see in just a moment, we're, we're going to see what, what John actually says is true about us in Jesus, that we are overcomers. And so we're, every one of us, we're, we're in this spiritual battle. It's, it's warfare, really. And it's happening all around us in, in all kinds of ways. And, and John's saying, look, you need to be aware of this. You, you can ignore it, but it's happening anyways. And so, the, so first of all, we're, we're, we're supposed to, to test. And then, then the second thing is we're supposed to trust. And, and there's three ways in which we can trust. And so first of all, we, we trust in the truth about Jesus. Look at verses 2 and 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming even now, is already in the world. Okay, so you've already underlined spirit of God there and the spirit of the Antichrist. What I want you to do now is I want you to circle the word acknowledge. Maybe in your Bible it says confess. Right? And so... Remember, back all the way back to the first week of the series, this is the stuff, this is what John is addressing in his church, right? He started a church in Ephesus, right? People were, were teaching false things, lies, he calls them, he calls them liars, about Jesus. And so if you get anything today, right, what I want you to get is this. If we don't have a right understanding of Jesus, then, then everything else crumbles around us. Everything in your life, in my life, it, it hinges on how you view Jesus. Your life, your marriage, your, your, your singleness, your, your parenting, your, your teenage years, your dating, your work, your spending, your relationships, your, your, your emotions, your plans, your dreams. All of it hinges on how you view Jesus. Is he the son of God? Fully God and fully human who, who came to pay the price for our sins by, by dying on the cross and then being raised from the dead three days later? Do, do you believe that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone that you're saved? What you believe about Jesus impacts everything. So John's saying, we need to trust this truth about Jesus of who he is as the son of God 
And then second, we trust God's power. Look at verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So you can circle the word overcome and you can underline the word greater. And, and if you're writing in your Bibles, you can write the word stronger to the side. So the, the literal translation of the word greater is stronger. So you can write that in the margin. And it just it reminds me of what we were just talking about back in 2 Kings. Right? When, when Elisha goes to his servant, he says, look, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Greater, stronger. And then he prays, God, would you open his eyes that he can see? Like, I, I think Elisha would pray the same thing for you and for me today. That God would open our eyes. That we can see that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. And, and, and if you're wondering, hey, how, how do I know if the Spirit of God is in me? The answer is what we just talked about in the last verse. Like, do you believe? Do you truly believe that God is the Son of the God, that Jesus is the Son of God, the, the only Savior from our sins, that, that you have made him the Lord of your life? Because and, and if you believe that, it didn't come from, from the world. It came from God, his spirit at work in you. And so in the spiritual war, like you, you can trust, in, you can. I mean, you, you can have confidence in this. We've been talking about confidence, right? You can trust in God's spirit in you, the power of the Holy Spirit in you right now. And it makes you, according to John, an overcomer. God does love you unconditionally. In Jesus, your sins, past and present and future, are forgiven once and for all. In Jesus, you, your identity is, is not in your addiction or the mistakes in your past. Or, like, you, you're forgiven. Hey, like, actually, in Jesus, your identity is an adopted son or daughter of our Heavenly Father. And so, so why are you an overcomer? That's what John declares about us. Because the one who is in you is greater, is stronger, is more powerful than the one who is in the world. Isn't that good news? Amen? So you, you can trust in, in, in the truth about Jesus. You can trust God's power. And then finally, you can trust God's word. Look at verses 5 and 6. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So you've already underlined spirit of truth and you've already underlined spirit of falsehood. But I want you to circle the word listen. It's there three times in these uh, two verses. And to me it just begs the question, who are you listening to? Who am I listening to? Spend more time on the internet, more time watching TV? Is, it, is the world influencing what we believe and what we do more than anything else? Who are you listening to? I mean, really. Who am I listening to? Every Sunday, two minutes before I get up here to preach on my iPad, it tells me how much time I've spent on my electronic device. 
every Sunday at like 9.25. I'm like, thanks God. <laughs> like, a little bit humbling. I know on my iPhone, like there's a thing, if I slide it to the right, it'll tell me how much time I spend on every single one of the apps that I have on my phone. Who are you listening to? Who am I listening to? You know, so this is how we, we test the spirit, right? Pretty simple. You've heard me say it probably like a billion times. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, right? That's how we test the spirit. Look, we, we, have, we have 66 books in this Bible, right? That, that make up the inspired, infallible word of God. And so we test everything through this. I mean, everything. And so we, we don't need to try and figure out, you know, more words from God. We don't need a, a fresh word from God. His word is sufficient for you and for me. And so we, we really, we need to trust, we need to obey God's word. And that we need to, to live it out. And so for your real practical, if, if you do electronic devices, download the Bible app if you don't have it. Right? There's, there's all kinds of, of reading plans on there, things that are five days long or a week long or a month long or a year long. You know, have you ever heard the book of Proverbs? Anybody heard of the book of Proverbs? Do you know how many chapters are in Proverbs? 31. What's today? July 31st. A, there's a proverb a day. Start there. Right? Or, or, or just pick a book of the Bible. Right? And if you're newer to the faith, I would recommend something like Philippians. Right? If, if you want a little bit more challenge, then, then try Romans. Right? And, and whatever it is, like whether you're reading a proverb a day, you're reading through a, a, you know, a reading plan on the Bible app, or, or whatever it is, like the point is, is to read God's Word every day. You know what you're listening to. I know what I'm listening to. And we find out... Who's having greater influence on our lives? Is it God's word or the world? Listen, you, you are in a spiritual battle every single day in your home and in your workplace and when school is going on and when you get on social media and when you watch the news media, even in our church. It's happening all around us. It's in your every word and desire and thought. So in this war, trust the truth about Jesus. Trust the power of God's Spirit and trust the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, you're not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. Let me say that again. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Jesus isn't on, on the cross in our church because he's risen from the dead. We have victory in Jesus. And so I would invite you when we sing this, this last hymn to turn your eyes to Jesus, to look into his wonderful face. And the, the things of this earth that we oftentimes listen to, they're going to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for these 66 books that make up your word and make up your truth. 
And God, I think whenever we are just honest with ourselves and honest with you that the influence of this world and the things that we listen to, God, are have so much more influence on us than your word. We have much, so much more of a, a worldview than we have of a biblical worldview. God, we're sorry. We're sorry for being lazy about our Bible reading. We're sorry for being comfortable in this world. We're sorry for just, just kind of ignoring the, the spiritual world. God, I believe that there are, your angels are around us, that there's you know, spiritual warfare going on all around us right now. God, would you open our eyes that we can see? We know that there are demons that are trying to, to jam up and, and split apart marriages, God. Would you protect and, and watch over our marriages? God, there are, are people in our church who are just struggling every day with addictions, and, and Satan is whispering these lies about how their identity is, is never going to get out from underneath that, that addiction. God, would, could we take that thought, God, and, and make it captive to Jesus and, and replace it with the truth of, of who we are as sons and daughters of Jesus, of God? Almighty God, I pray that, that we would live as, as overcomers, that we live boldly and obediently into to your word and what you declare about us and what you have for us, and that we would realize that we're not battling for victory, but from victory, God, and the victory that's from Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb. Almighty God, may we live into all that your word says about us. May we believe it. And may we proclaim it, that this world will know of your goodness and grace that is found in Jesus. Almighty God, may we turn our eyes to Jesus and look into his wonderful face. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.